This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Do you consider yourself a savvy investor, or would you like to become one? Today we'll learn about valuation. How can you tell if a security is undervalued or overvalued? What metrics are used? And what's fundamental analysis? We'll have those answers for you, and we'll ask for your personal finance questions as well. Contact us by email. Our address is money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Nancy. Hope that you're still enjoying your time in North Carolina. It is, am I right? It is. It's a little cool up here. I hear it's about 90 in Mississippi, and uh, we're having highs in the lower 70s. Oh, very, very nice. Uh, So what uh, financial news is on your mind this morning? Well, we've got some good news or a little bit of a brighter spot in housing as prices are slowing down. In fact, I've heard it called the Great Deceleration. And uh, so over the last year, we've seen prices increase about 20%. That is settling down. We have inventory that has increased 10%. And we've even seen about 20% of listings have lowered their prices. So that's a good thing. Lumber prices have also come down considerably, so that will encourage more builders to come in. Of course, this is coming with the bad news of higher mortgage rates. So um, if you were able to lock in one of those below three rates uh, a few years ago, a 2.75% rate on a $200,000 mortgage, your payment, your principal and interest would be about $816. But right now it's about 5.5%, so that payment is 1135 That's almost $320 more. That's a big difference. Um, so we're watching those rates. Certainly the Federal Reserve is increasing those interest rates. Mortgage rates actually dipped in the last few weeks, but now they're going in the other direction again. All right. Uh, Ryder, what uh, June financial news do you have to share with us? Yeah, so just to echo a little bit of what Nancy said, that we have been getting some anecdotal uh, evidence about the housing market. So it is good to see that actually showing up in the statistics. And that's good for a couple of reasons. Um, one, just people are able to buy houses. Like, that's a relief for people who have had a, had a hard time buying houses. With more coming on the market, we're seeing folks who had moved and maybe just hadn't sold their house yet because it was so cheap cheap to hang on to. They're finally getting those, finally putting those on the market. That's the inventory she referred to. And also, that's been just such a huge component of inflation. That and the cost of lumber, the cost of remodeling has been a huge component of inflation. So hopefully that'll uh, cool that off a little bit. So on the flip side, however, credit card spending is up. Uh, we had a lot of extra savings. We talked throughout the past two years about how American savings rate was very high. Uh, stimulus checks and things of that nature. Folks were able to pay down old credit card debt. So if you look at the map, uh, look at the chart of credit card debt in America, you see kind of a, a, a line up into the uh, up into the right, and then a big dip uh, in 2020 when we paid off our credit cards <laughs> to a large extent, and that's kind of bound back up and we're a little higher than we were before the pandemic. I wouldn't say it, it, it's not the level of credit card debt is not troublesome right now, but the trend is not great. When 
you see that our savings rate is kind of back to maybe a little below what it used to be. It used to be around six or seven. Now it's it's dipped to around four percent, and our spending has continued to go up. Again, that's gone up with inflation. That's what we see. And so and so that's closing that gap between what we're able to bring in, what we're able to save. Uh, and so that's just something worrisome to watch. Well, There's- and it's not just that uh, we're seeing inflation. It's that people are really spending. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been laughing because we get calls from people all the time uh, telling us, I-, I need some cash because I'm taking a trip. I'm doing mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of wonderful things. And uh, my joke is that we're all spending like drunken sailors. <laughs> well- and so that does concern me a little bit with rising interest mm-hmm. rates on credit cards and the possibility of a slowdown. And and this is all that pent-up saving. We talked extensively yeah. last year. If you we can hear us say pent up savings almost every week. Uh, this is that this is our pent up spending. This is all that pent up spending. People have been wanting the, people have been booking these trips. People have been putting these trips off and and people are ready to, to, to spend that money now. And so they're doing it. And um, average credit card balances right now for the top ten states that have it and thankfully Mississippi is not a top ten holder of credit card debt. Is somewhere in the six to eight thousand dollar range. That's a mm. lot to be hanging out yeah. on a high interest credit card. So I wonder how the uh, Navy got the bad uh, rap there with the drunken sailor as opposed to the drunken airman or the drunken soldier or whatever. So. Uh, can you imagine a drunken airman like that? Would that would be real? I, I feel like a sailor, like the boat. You <laughs> the know, boat's you, going. Not, the boat's the boat's going to keep going in a straight line no matter what that sailor's doing. But the plane, come on, Kevin. <laughs> Let's start on the phones in Mobile. Jesse has called in today. Good morning, Jesse. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Good. What do yeah, you have for us same, today? I had the same question how the sailors got the bad <laughs> rapper. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm thinking maybe when they came to shore and they've been pent up on the ship for several months. But It's that the pent up drinking. Yeah, you can't do it on the ship. Uh, car, pay it off. Or take what we would pay it off and apply toward the next vehicle. What is the standard issue response? It depends partly on what your rate is. Right now, if you have a very low rate on that on on your old car loan, I would. I would just keep that minimum payment going. Um, we've seen, and car loans are one of those things because those are often offered as promotions from the car manufacturer. So you get some, you get some pretty wildly low rates. Zero percent financing is not uncommon. You hear about it advertised all the time. If you have zero percent financing, then there is no reason to pay that off because that same dollar today is, well, it's a, it's it's cheaper for you to to extend that mm-hmm. payment out. If you have a higher interest rate loan, so I usually say kind of about five or six percent. Although with inflation right now, who knows? It could be even higher than that. Then I would I would pay that off quicker, um, just because that is costing you a lot more than you, you could get, you know, just from just from waiting on that uh, and and saving that. Um, and I, I you referenced the kind of set aside your extra savings towards a new car. I think that that's a great idea, um, partly because uh, cars are a good thing to have at least a decent bit saved up for. Also, when you have that money saved up, you have a lot more flexibility than when you don't, uh, because we may not have those great promotional rates uh, that we have had in the past on car loans. 
We may not have those over the next few years, so you're gonna you're gonna have a little more you're gonna have a little more pull if you ha- if you're bringing some cash to the table as well. And what's interesting in the car uh, business right now, we're seeing slumping sales for new cars. I'm talking 20 to 30 percent drops over the last month in new cars, but a lot of that could be rising interest rates along with still having chip shortages that they're dealing with on the new car side. But used car prices are dropping, too, so it might be a good time to go shopping. All right, uh, Jesse, thanks for calling in this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. What I did uh, when I paid off my car note was I started um, um, a savings account uh, to save for future uh, car purchases, but I also realized it comes in handy when current old car um, has some issues you've got yeah, some money for repair it's an, an, an all-purpose uh, vehicle account <laughs> yes we're staying on the phone lines we've got jim from jackson next good morning jim go ahead good morning um i've got money in a online savings account uh, money market account that's earning a whopping 0.3 percent interest and um, I got a solicitation in the mail this weekend from American Express offering double that, a whopping point six. Wow, big numbers. <laughs> and the thought occurred to me there must be some, at least some competition with right rates generally. Um, is there a website you could recommend where I could compare FDIC-insured um, money market accounts for the best returns? Yes, go to bankrate.com, and you can do a search for all kinds of interest rates, uh, looking for money market rates, CD rates, mortgage rates, credit cards, uh, all across the country. And we have been seeing some paying 1%. There are some out there, so you can look and find them. Know that our short-term rates are not going up as quickly as our longer-term rates, like our mortgages, because banks are flush with cash, and they don't really need it right now. But that may change, and we may start to see those rise as well. So search for something better. And okay. and Jim, one thing I've seen, if you have ever bought uh, CDs, not directly from the bank, but through a broker, we've seen brokered CD rates actually go a lot higher than the rates you can get by walking into the into the physical bank. And that's like Nancy said, but banks they have a lot of cash. They're not they're not having to offer. Over the past few years, they've almost had too much cash in, in many ways because they've kind of built up. You know, change their balance sheet due to regulation, and so they they're not offering those special deals to open up a new savings or checking account. But the brokered CDs you can get from banks all across the country, and that's kind of where they're going to to reach those last dollars that they do need. We've seen on the less than a year CDs up to 1.7%, which is fairly attractive if this is if this is money that you might have laddered into CDs anyway. Brokered CDs are a little more complicated. You do need to buy it through a brokerage account, and you can't pull out of them early. Uh, it's very difficult to pull out of them early. Even if interest rates have stayed the same, you, you may lose all of your interest because you actually have to sell it instead of, just, instead of just asking for your money back. So that's strictly for money you're leaving out for a longer time, but brokered CDs have looked fairly attractive recently. Great. That answers my next question, Ryder. Um, I do have an IRA that's a mm-hmm. and it's managed by a local um, investment advisor. Mm-hmm. And was 
to them about the brokerage CDs. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great place to put uh, because it's an IRA, especially if you're taking required distributions or soon to take required distributions. You know you're going to want to keep that money fairly safe. You know, say you have a $1,000 required distribution in one year's time. You, you, you don't want to put that money at risk. You can you can go ahead and put that money in a brokerage CD. Once it matures, you got a couple extra cents in interest, a couple extra dollars this time in interest, and you can withdraw that $1,000 required distribution. So that's a great place uh, for fixed income like that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm old, so I've been doing the R&D. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's a great place for him. All right. I really appreciate the advice, guys. That's exactly what I was looking for. Great, Jim. Thanks. Glad we could help you out this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. If you have a question for our experts, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about valuations of companies, and we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute. Wayne's on the line from Vicksburg. Wayne, we'll get to your phone call next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Wayne in Vicksburg has been holding on for us. Wayne, it's your turn, so go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. I also want to ask a question. Um, I receive uh, supplemental security income. And um, my, my house and my house and land is paid for, 
is there any type of account, uh, uh, account I could put money into without affecting my supplemental security? Uh, so is the supplemental security, is that for a, a disability? What What is... Okay, so there are, I believe what you may be looking for is the Mississippi ABLE account. Uh, that's an account, so it, it essentially makes the special needs trust available to, to everybody. Instead of having you go to a lawyer to set up this very complicated trust, having a trusting monitor and paying for that service, etc., you can just open an account, I believe it's with the uh, Department of Health and Human Services is where you get that information. And we actually did an episode some time ago when Mississippi first came up with the ABLE account. Uh, a lawyer near here, Rick Courtney, was very instrumental in getting those set up. But the ABLE account allows you to save, I believe it's up to $100,000 without affecting any of your federal or state benefits. So that's probably the account that you're looking for. Okay, right, because I didn't want, you know, I don't want it to cut off. You know, just all kind of paperwork. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I believe they have a fairly straightforward setup. You, again, you just do it through them. Probably connect your bank account. And and the the great thing about that is is just for our broader audience, there's there's really strict limits on if you're receiving um, Medicaid, yep, Medicaid, SSI, th- those sorts of things. There's really strict income limits, and there's also really strict asset limits. And that and those those haven't changed in so long, oh. especially with inflation as is, people, you just need more money on hand sometimes. So this account, uh, that's going to be exactly what you're looking for, Wayne. Okay. The, on the assets, um, like me owning my home and land, I have a good bit of land. Mm-hmm. And I, would, would that affect, because I have like right at a thousand acres of land. Mm. So I am not sure each state, uh, I, I'm not sure how that would go into it. I would think that amount of land would have some impact, but uh, for SSI, that might be different. So that, I'll, I'll find out. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Absolutely. And uh, Wayne, before you go, uh, we mentioned that uh, we had done um, a, an, a show on that. If you'll go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org and search for the July 2nd, 2019 a show that so we talked about the able account so july 2nd 2019 at moneytalks.mpbonline.org for more information about the able account this is uh, mpb think radio um we're talking today about valuations on money talks uh, if you're an investor and you want to make money with securities the old adage is to buy low and sell high so nancy what methods would an analyst use to determine if a security is worth more than its current price Well, you can do something called fundamental analysis, and fundamental analysis means you're just looking at the fundamentals of the business. You're studying their financial statements, because when you buy a share of stock, you're becoming an owner in the company. And when you want to be an owner in a business, you want to make sure the business is making money. So you're going to be looking at things like their sales and their sales over a period of time. Do they um, have a product that people want? Are they people buying it? What are their expenses? Because if you have $10 million in sales and it costs you $11 million to produce those, you're still losing money. Um, is it well managed? Uh, do they have too much debt? All of those things are involved with fundamental analysis. You can also do something called technical analysis, and we call those chartists. So you're looking at charts and you're studying those charts to see volume and price changes 
and they'll talk about uh, the the shoulders and the head, and <laughs> all kinds of peaks and bottoms and all those things that relate to market movement. Um, or you can just be part of that big group we see out there, which is just taking a flyer, just paying attention to what your neighbor tells you, buying something on a hunch. Oh, oh no, Nancy, we, we can't. <laughs> we don't recommend that. So, um, Ryder, how much can a single investor determine by fundamental analysis? Do, do they can get useful information, or would they need to employ a company or person to help them research valuations? Yeah, so that's one of the great things about public markets in the U.S., is that publicly traded companies are required to disclose a ton of information. And these these are just the securities regulations. You hear a lot about the SEC you know, enforcing things against companies. That's where they file all of this information. So every quarter, they have to publish a balance sheet, uh, an income statement, a cash flow statement, as well as just some discussion about how their quarter went, any particular things that affect those numbers. Every year, they have to publish a much more thorough report, which covers, again, those same facts and figures. And the balance sheet, for instance, it summarizes all of their accounts. Do they have bank accounts? Do they have investment accounts? Do they have accounts receivable? Do they have debts? What type of debts are they? Do they have vehicles? Do they have property? Do they have land? Do they have factories? Do they have inventory piled up? As well as it covers their the things that they owe. So debts that I mentioned, that the accounts payable if they've taken in a shipment but haven't paid for it yet, things like that. So that's what the balance sheet shows, the income statement and shows all the money that came in, how much did they, how much revenue did they make, and what was the cost of generating that revenue? Uh, did they spend money on sales and marketing? What were, what were their payroll expenses? What were the taxes they paid? What were the dividends they paid? All sorts of information. And so there is a ton of information available on companies, and that's a great place to start. They also have extensive discussion about what the company does, where they're located, uh, risk factors that the that the management sees also again with publicly traded companies they're required to have quarterly calls and discuss all of these items so investors most of the time it is uh, professional stock analysts from banks who are making asking these questions of of the corporate heads of the executives on the calls but yes so stock analysts most of the time they're working for a a large bank and this is they dedicate their time to really understanding these companies and of course they can also get information from out there in the in the big wide world you don't have to understand target you don't have to just read targets financial statements you can go and watch people shop at a target you can interview people as they walk out of that target you can you can interview people who work at that target and you can ask them are your shipments coming in do your sales look you know, are are what are people buying these days and you can go observe those things for yourself and as well as access just any other information uh, out there. So it's a lot of information to process. Uh, people who do it professionally, yes, it is a full-time job, and it is a lot of work to fully understand these companies and and try to and try to discern what is that intrinsic value you know is it going up? Is it going down? Is it unchanged for uh, over the past quarter? Uh, so, Nancy, when, when we use the term valuation metrics, that's this information that you can gather that you use to uh, determine the value of a security? 
Well, sure. And I'm going to go back to what Ryder said, uh, financial statements. Uh, accounting is the language of business. And so if you really want to understand a business, you need to understand accounting. And uh, you need to understand accounting for different types of industries. Certainly, if you're looking at a bank, mm -hmm. it looks very different than if you're looking at a target. Um, and so you need to know what that tells you about the business. And not just one period in time, but over a period, we do what's called trend analysis. What's happening over a period of years to their sales? It, are they growing? Those things are happening. But when you do that, you're looking at um, how does that value, that intrinsic value, compare to the market price, mm -hmm. what investors are saying the price of the stock should be. And um, so we look at all kinds of information. We look at ratios that tell us something about what that price should be. And what I hear from investors all the time is, you know, or, or amateur investors, let's put it that way, they will look at a price, a dollar amount, and they will say, oh, my goodness, that stock is very expensive mm -hmm. or that stock is very cheap. And that dollar per share tells you nothing about the true value of that stock. You have to look at those financial statements and look at those ratios and compare ratios within an industry to see whether a stock is cheap or expensive. Today we're talking about valuation of investments. What are some online brokers for investing? We'll have some of the more popular ones for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. find autocorrect helpful especially on coach charlie's tip of the week listen to our podcast with me coach charlie melton on any podcasting platform or on the mpb public media app money talks is mpb think radio's personal finance broadcast kevin farrell here with dr nancy lodger janderson president of new perspectives and Ryder taff portfolio manager at new perspectives they're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We're talking about valuation today for investing, but we have both an email and a caller ready to go, so let's do that first. This email says, a few weeks ago, Ryder, you made a passing comment about recent problems at Vanguard, uh, saying that the problems did not involve their funds. The emailer would like an elaboration on this as they have considerable funds at Vanguard and kind of want to know what you were referring to. 
Yes. So in general, we Nancy and I are big fans of the Vanguard style of investment. The passive funds, they just say, okay, we're going to buy you. You have the S&P 500. It's really, it's going to be extraordinarily difficult to outperform that. It's going to be very easy to underperform the S&P 500. Why don't we just buy all the stocks in the S&P 500? And then we know we're always going to match that performance. So that's kind of the Vanguard style of passive investing. We're not going to make huge decisions about which stocks we're just going to buy them all and get that growth that we expect historically. So a number of issues cropped up last year, and they've some that have been brewing for a little while. One is that Vanguard has made a lot of efforts to kind of shift their appeal from broad individuals to uh, large institutions. And one of the ways you've seen that is they used to have an annuity service, which was really good. Annuities, we talk about a lot, very often, very often your annuities will have a fairly high fees on them. They'll be fairly complicated products, but they don't they don't have to be. And Vanguard had an annuity product which was very popular amongst advisors. We would often do what's sometimes in the industry referred as an annuity rescue, where you move an annuity to a lower cost provider. You don't want to break the the tax benefits of it, so you want to keep it in that structure, even if we're not huge fans of that structure. Uh, it's a little outdated for the most part, the non qualified annuity. Is very outdated, but they had that, and they had very low costs, and it was just it was just great. We could kind of set it there, and and we we know we're confident we're putting the client in a better situation. Well, they dropped that, and they sold that off to Transamerica, which has been I've got to be honest, just from our experience, it's been a total nightmare. The 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 the, the customer service on that side, it's just not been what we expected, and we expected kind of minimal customer service from Van. You don't get very low cost uh, from them without kind of uh, cutting down to, on, on, to, to a minimum on the customer service. So that was one thing that's very not friendly to the end user client. Another thing they did was they added a private equity service, which is very un Vanguard. It's not something that really we see the the majority of the investing population needs. It's not something we recommend to folks, and it, it just seemed very out of character for them. So that was odd. So some specific problems that happened at the end of last year, they had an extensive outage. At the time, I thought it was just a day. I, I believe it may have lasted up to a week, an outage, which meant that folks were not getting their year-end statements, that their required distributions weren't getting calculated. Calculated that their tax information wasn't getting calculated correctly. They couldn't even trade. They, they couldn't, couldn't trade. trade. They couldn't log in, and 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 that w- that's very problematic, especially for again Vanguard. Part of their their thing is that they're very low cost and very low cost centers. They've often tried to shift a lot of that um, a lot of that stuff online, so you can do a lot of self service. So when you call, there's you don't necessarily have the same level of service that a more full-service broker may have. And, and I'm not saying Vanguard's the only person outsourcing a lot of this. Vanguard's not the only person shifting a lot of stuff online. Uh, but this just it, it just came through in a very bad way for them at a really crucial time for their investors. And, and then one 
one thing that did deal with uh, funds, not so much fund management. A- again, we still do love we are <laughs> we still do love Jack Bogle's uh, passive investing mantra. We love that style. It was more some technical issues with again shifting to favor larger institutional investors. They made a really big change in I believe it was some of their target date funds, which we've talked about are some of the easiest set it and forget it funds for folks. They made a really big change that involved distributing a lot of capital gains a little unexpectedly to folks, it seems. And so people ended up with a higher uh, tax bill than they than they really would have thought otherwise. So that's several issues that cropped up, really some of those coming to a head at the end of last year. Again, we still like the way, the, the philosophy behind the funds. And, and if you have Vanguard funds at another broker, and they're not those target date funds we were talking about, or maybe you have them in your your IRA or your 401k. That's not a real big issue, but the but the way they are treating their end user customers is it's it's a little it's out of character and it's and it, it's a little bothersome uh, to to us. So that's just you kind of have to be aware. All right, very good. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Let's head back to the phone lines. We've got Mike from Hernando. Mike, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hi, guys. Uh, this is a question of an investment I made about a year ago. Uh, hopefully, y'all can help me with it. Uh, when the electric trucks were first announced in the car magazines, Atlas, A-T-L-I-S, was one of those shown. They had a prototype. They offered stock. Uh, granted, I didn't buy a lot. I only bought $300 worth, $100 a share. But since then, nobody covers them anymore. I get glowing emails about how we're making progress. We're going to be on the market soon. But even the car magazines don't even mention them anymore. And I'm disappointed with the stock, and I want to know what what avenues do I have to get rid of it? Uh, how do I go about selling it? it I, granted, it's only $300, but uh, I mean, it's stupid to sit on something that's going nowhere. And I wondered if y'all could advise me on what to do. Okay, did you buy this, uh, Mike, through a broker, or did you buy it directly? Directly. Okay. Yeah, so looking at Atlas, and I believe this is one that we've discussed before, you purchase directly from them. It's kind of a crowdfunding, so to speak. You don't really have any recourse. Um, they okay. have the money. This is this is not actively traded anywhere um they they've got information on their website they are still an active going concern it appears just at first glance they're maintaining their website at least they're maintaining their investor relations website at least so the idea with these is this is a private company you have sent money to a private company and 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 they have the money it's just like if you started a business and called all your friends and said hey send me a hundred bucks so i can buy some stuff to start my business this is what happened. It's where you sent your money. And so hopefully the idea is hopefully they will grow large enough to get listed on an exchange. 
That would be a fantastic, great outcome. At that point, you would be able to trade those shares. Um, Often at times, you see this referred to as venture capital. There are various uh, series of fundraising. And at those series, sometimes investors will have an opportunity to buy more or sell to new investors. That for an investor, um, for individual investors, I highly, highly doubt that will ever take place until it is listed on some kind of exchange. Now, there are the public exchanges. it, It may just be worthless. It may be worthless. And so if you think it's going to be worthless, if they're not showing up anywhere, you can actually declare it worthless on your tax statements and take a loss if you want to. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I mean, I, all right. I, I, well, I, I, was, I was trying to figure out whether it's just to hold on to it and see if it somewhere goes. It's only 300 bucks, but if it goes somewhere, fine. Uh, otherwise, I like that idea of just declaring it as worthless stock. I I don't know that it's actually worthless, as it appears that the company does still exist. I I mean, again, I'm just basing this on the fact of they do have an actively maintained website. They do have some currently updated things on their website. Yeah, but this this may be may be wrong. But again, you know, the goal for a company like this is to grow large enough to get listed on some sort of exchange, either a public exchange, over the counter exchange, or one of these private exchanges that have been cropping up. But again. That would be, I I have no idea what their timeline there would be, or if you would need to wait to another fundraising round, but it's very unlikely that you as an individual investor here are going to have the ability to sell out of it until it is listed on an exchange. Ah, I got you. All right. Well, that that helps me, and I, you know, like I said, it's not a major investment, but it still ticked me off that there are electric trucks on the market now, and Atlas isn't even mentioned. So I see where you're coming from. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's electric car companies over the past couple of years, uh, mind-boggling numbers of them. Every, it seems like everybody has announced that they have an electric vehicle company. I mean, they're a dime a dozen. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right, Mike, we appreciate your phone call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, talking about valuation today for investing. If you look up best online brokers, everyone seems to have a top 10 list. But when you put the list side by side, three of them seem to appear on many of the lists, and they are Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, and Charles Schwab. So, Ryder, what is your professional opinion about these websites? Uh, these are these are all uh, major brokers. We, we talk about major brokers in America all the time, uh, Fidelity. And Charles Schwab are two of the largest. Charles Schwab has just bought TD Ameritrade, so really that's just a list of two right there. Um, these are these are all good. I I have said before that personally, I think Charles Schwab is, is has been developed and geared towards individual investors, and they have kind of held true to that a little better than a lot of other brokers in providing good, effective services for them. All right. This is Money Talks. We're talking about valuation today. What are some robo-investing advice uh, websites? We'll tell you some of the more popular ones next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. We're glad you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Tap portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder. Tuesdays at 10 a.m., immediately following Money Talks, listen live to In Legal Terms right here on MPB Think Radio. We're talking about valuation today for investing. And Nancy, in the last segment, we talked about the best online brokers, meaning that uh, some of the top uh, 10 lists that show up frequently, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, and Charles Schwab. Do you, uh, your clients seem to find value in these websites? And, and what's your opinion on the online brokers? Well, um, our clients are less likely to look at those websites than they are to come to talk to us. And uh, that's our job. But um, for people who want to do it themselves, you need to make sure that you have a broker that you're dealing with who is accessible, that their website offers you information and research that you can use, that you can trade appropriately, and you're looking at the cost to do all of that trading, the uh, what we call the spreads when they uh, do the, the bid and ask, that those are reasonable. And um, so there are all kinds of brokers out there, but we prefer dealing with the main two, which is going to be the the Fidelity or the Schwab. All right. Uh, and Ryder, I think you mentioned you wanted to talk about ratios. Was that it? Oh, well, yes. Yeah, so that was from earlier in the show that we just hadn't even... <laughs> hadn't even gotten to when Nancy was talking about uh, fundamental analysis and, and and she was talking about what you need to know in order to start your fundamental analysis journey. You're looking at the accounting. You're looking at the underlying earnings of the company. And, and how that ties into valuation is that people look at a stock and they say, oh, it's $100. Wow, that's so expensive. But what is what is the, and, and then they might look at one that's $10 and they say, wow, that is so cheap. I can buy 10 of those. But, but what is the underlying value that you're getting? And that's what you get from looking at those, the fundamentals. And so one of the most common things we look at is the price to earnings ratio. And that is the price that it's selling for versus the earnings that that share uh, entitles you to. It's, you're not entitled to a share of the earnings. But as an owner of the company, you, you are in some way participating in the earnings of that company. You, you want to grow those earnings. So if a share is trading, a company is trading for $100 and there's, say, $20 worth of earnings per share, then you're trading at a ratio of 100 to 20 or 5 to 1, a price to earnings ratio of 5. We would call that very cheap uh, for the most part, depending on the type of company. And so you look at a company trading for $10, again, you think, oh, $10, that's cheap. But if they only had a penny of earnings, then you're talking about 
a price-to-earnings ratio of a thousand. So you're paying a thousand pennies for every penny of earnings that you're getting, uh, whereas the other one you're only paying you're only paying five bucks to get a dollar's worth of earnings. So the value that you're getting is drastically different, and the the price is is simply what it's trading for. It can trade at a different price for all sorts of different reasons. Um, so that's why you have to look at that at those fundamentals to understand what is the value there. And we call those multiples. And so instead of a dollar per share, we look at those multiples. So a P-E ratio, I always like to put a little X at the end of it mm-hmm. because it is a multiple. It's a number of times the earnings. Mm-hmm. How much are you paying for earnings? And uh, so, for instance, Amazon is trading at a little under $125 a share, but they're trailing P.E. ratio is almost 52 times. Mm-hmm. That means if they continue to earn at this same rate, it would take you 52 years to get back your money that mm. you paid for that. Meanwhile, Apple is trading at a dollar amount higher than Amazon, about $146 a share. But their P.E. ratio is less than half. It's only like 22 times the earnings. So we look at that and say, that's much cheaper than the mm-hmm. Amazon stock because you're paying less for what they're earning. But, Nancy, why might two I – mean, these are two huge companies that everybody knows and most people interact with. Why might they be trading at such different valuations? Well, the assumption is if your multiples are higher, then you should be growing faster in the future than you have been in the past. It's all about the future, isn't it? That's we're investing in the future. And that's where we get into a little bit of a trouble with what we call trailing multiples, the trailing P.E. ratio, because the price you see on the market today represents what we think the value will be in the future. Mm -hmm. Now, it's just what investors think. And the E for a trailing is what has already happened. It's the past. So sometimes we prefer to look at a forward P.E. So that means the price representing what we think will happen in the future and the E, which is forecasted by stock analyst and is a better measure. Yeah, and so and we've discussed, uh, I believe last week, in the past couple of weeks, I said the market looks cheap. And what I was talking about, the S&P 500, for instance, the S&P 500 is looking appropriately valued right now. And, and what I mean by that is since 2015, the market as a whole, you take all these companies, you kind of average their price-to-earnings ratios, has been in the mid-20s. So 24, 25 is the P.E. ratio. And part of that deals with the fact that interest rates have been very low. And so a lower interest rate, you might have a higher price to earnings ratio. But that has declined. Now you see the S&P 500's price to earnings ratio is about 19. That's the trailing that Nancy just mentioned. So trading at 19 times its past year's earnings or 18 times what they expect earnings to be. And so you can tell they expect earnings to grow a little bit in the S&P 500. 
but it's valued fairly fairly lower than it has been over the past few years um, which means it's it's on sale right it's on sale to some it extent could be on sale. it's on sale to some extent of course these these valuations do relate to interest rates in the broader world if you can get a higher interest rate if you can get higher earnings on just sitting your cash in a bank account somewhere else then maybe it is fair that the the price and the valuation of the S&P 500 comes down so I would still think that's in the range of fairly valued and when I say it's cheap I don't mean it can't ever get cheaper stocks can always continue to go down so you see you know we talked about Amazon with a price earnings ratio of 50 oh it can always go it can always be lower but it can be lower for two reasons it can be lower because yes maybe the price goes down but it can also go lower when the earnings continue to rise and that's what you're looking for when you're investing in stocks so kind of to review the fundamental analysis, Nancy, I guess, is so that you can make an apple-to-apple apple, uh, comparison of, of various... Yes, yeah, absolutely. An apple-to-Microsoft comparison, <laughs> well, <I guess> <laughs> Amazon. an Amazon-to-Target comparison. And that's an important thing because similar companies, you would expect them to operate in similar ways and be valued in similar ways as well. All right, Ryder, we only have about a minute left, and so we can't go too deeply into it, but give us, if you would, a quick definition of these robo-investing sites. Yeah, so these robo-investing sites that you mentioned, uh, two top ones are Betterment and Wealthfront. Essentially, they are really limited service brokers and investors. They invest your money for you. They have a very strict way of investing, and they do it all for you. It's very limited services, and it's it's extremely passive. You can't make active decisions about your portfolio there. They've already made them. They're investing as passively as possible. A real big belief there in the market efficiency there, which the market is fairly efficient. We often uh, will tilt things, change things based on client preferences or or what we see coming down the pike. Because again, we are investing for the future, not looking at those past valuations there. So it's an okay way for folks getting started investing, but there's often some point in your financial life when you need a, a, a real live human who can help you with all of your other financial issues. All right. Very good. We're going to wrap things up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. podcast.